I've gotten this advice from billionaires. So I'm going to say that this is a... This is, Ooh, this, everybody tune in, tune in. Here we is, go. This Lean is a in. good one. I've, I've actually done... How do you grow and scale your business while avoiding entrepreneur poverty? Hi, I'm Buzz and I've spent over 20 years marketing for entrepreneurs just like you. I've learned there's no one secret to success, but a series of strategies to help business owners scale at will. On this podcast, we uncover invaluable insights that successful entrepreneurs and industry experts use to profitably scale businesses. Welcome to You Are Buzzworthy. Many of us have been in business for some time, while others are just getting started. Regardless of where you are in the entrepreneurial experience, you are constantly starting new initiatives. But the landscape of starting a new business along with new products and services is changing. And we need to adapt to the new way of creating things in and around our business. So let's dive into this topic and discover new roadmaps to success. Joining me today is Jason Sherman, who is a successful innovator, award-winning filmmaker, published author, and a tech startup expert. He has been featured on Wall Street Journal, USA Today, The Verge, and ABC News. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks, Buzz. Appreciate it, man. This is pretty awesome. What have you been up to lately, man? Grinding my butt off with this new startup while I uh, am navigating the world of the post-pandemic and um, trying to get out there, man, trying to get out there and just uh, get out of my little bubble. Your little bubble. So <laughs> what were you doing before the pandemic as far as your business goes? I was running a technology development company where clients would need websites or mobile apps, whether it's you know an institution like a museum or a college or just a private startup or mm -hmm. just a mom and pop business that needed something. And uh, during my downtimes, when I really you know rarely had downtime, I would get into creative pursuits, whether it was making a movie or writing a book or making a course, teaching them at colleges or hackathons and things like that. Mm -hmm. A lot of in-person events, a lot of running around and constantly being around large crowds. Uh -huh. And so the pandemic kind of just destroyed all of that. And uh, I had to reacclimate the new way of doing things, which is basically 100% online. Right. And um, oh my gosh, I, I dodged a bullet with the whole pandemic because I reorganized my business at the end of 2018 and launched a 100% virtual company in January 2019. So I had 14 months to practice wow. online. <laughs> you know, virtual. I was, and people were like, that was ingenious. I was like, absolutely not. Like that whole journey before that, to that, that forced me into that really, because I had, you know, basically grown my multi-million dollar creative agency broke and was like, I can't do it this way anymore. I'm living in entrepreneurial poverty and it was, yeah. it was not there. So like I went through my own little uh, pandemic, if you will, of just things happening to me over and over and over again towards the, to the point where I did reorganize and I did go virtual um, before virtual was a thing. Like there wasn't a lot out there. So when, when it, the pandemic hit for me, it wasn't as bad, but I found we were creating all sorts of new things because all of a sudden we couldn't go out and talk to people. Right. 
We couldn't network. We couldn't have face-to-faces. You know, in the creative agency world, I had video production and audio production, lots of face-to-face things that had to happen. And, uh, you know, luckily for me, we had kind of moved away from those things and really started focusing on the website marketing and all the things that are virtual. So now that we're kind of past that, though, you're doing something new right now. Didn't you like co-found a new like uh, video friendship app or something? Yeah, because everything you just said, it kind of culminated into this aha moment that the pandemic has destroyed friendships. It destroyed networking. It destroyed, you know, hobbies. People aren't able to go do things together anymore. And we decided to launch this video platform that allows people to meet new friends based on hobbies and interests. Oh, nice. To kind of spark back that whole human interaction that we're missing. And um, just like you, I go back 17 years of working from home starting in 2005. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm a a work from home veteran, (laughs) whereas people that got thrown into the mix during the pandemic were crying, you know, Bloody Mary. And I'm like, guys, this is what I've been doing my whole life. And it's the best. So like why you're complaining, I don't know. Maybe you're just not used to it or whatever. Or maybe you have 14 kids running around the house. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. If if you have kids, it's hard. Yeah, it's huge. I have no kids right now. So it's like that right there, just in listening to some of the horror stories and juggling children in your home while you're trying to adjust to working at home. Like people weren't set up for home. No, right. They had, they like, had no office. You have a little studio where you're at. I've yeah. got, you know, I've built my my office here at home. Right. We were used to it. But if you don't have that, you have a kitchen table. Kitchen right. table is what people are using, right? right. <laughs> it's not or the sofa with a laptop. And I'm like, it's not a conducive work environment. So oh. I totally get it. So tell me more about this app. I want to know. So what's it called? It's called Spinner. So uh, S-P-I-N-N-R. And okay. the whole point is everybody spins around the world. When you play sports, things spin. Dolphins spin in packs, the spinner dolphins. We just got inspired by the fact that everything kind of turns into like a circle of friendship, right? Mm -hmm. Circle of people dancing, they're spinning around. So we noticed that a large percentage of Americans, and when I say large percentage, I mean, it's a big percentage, like 30 to 50% of Americans are depressed because they don't have friends. Mm. We noticed that, this number is crazy, by the way, 82% or more of singles on dating apps are having bad experiences. Really? It's a very large percentage of people And not everybody on a dating app wants to meet on a date. Right. They just want to meet a friend to go do something with. Right. But that's not when dating apps are for. Well, no. Right. So it's pressure, pressure and expectation of, you know, you take me out to eat and then we go have sex or whatever it is. (laughs) (laughs) But that's that's what it is, right? That's from the men's perspective and the women's perspective as we go out to eat. And then you listen to me talk for For 14 hours about my drama. Right. Exactly. So (laughs) I totally get it. But where's the in-between? Where is the non-social media, Mm -hmm. non-dating app Mm -hmm. where it's like MySpace meets YouTube meets Vine meets Mm meetup.com? Where's that? You know, the good old AOL chat room days where you would just randomly find someone to talk to about Dungeons and Dragons or basketball or video games or whatever, and then you start a a friendship. That's what we created using video, kind of like you and I are talking right now on Zoom. And, And this way, there's no likes, no follows, no sharing, no comments, none of that toxic culture stuff. It's just pure personality pure authentic connections. Mm-hmm. And the goal is to form relationships, friendships, and meet in person and enjoy your hobbies together. So this isn't your first time starting a new business, as we just discovered. What do you feel is the biggest difference besides the lack of face-to-face in starting a new venture of any kind? 
I mean, that's the the whole point here, right? Is is that we're going to talk about is how things have changed from just a decade ago. I started my first startup right around when iPhones came out. I mean, iPhones came out in what two thousand seven, eight, or nine around there, mm. and I, I started my first one right around two thousand ten. Okay, and it was all in person. Right, everything was in person. Networking events, showing mockups, doing presentations with PowerPoint shaking people's hands, mm-hmm. finding developers at hackathons, right. finding marketing geniuses at colleges, <laughs> and getting users in person at events by handing out giveaways and raffles and showing people your app. And and that's all out the window. It, it just completely has dramatically shifted to now. How do you get people on a new app when you can't see them in person? That is a, that's a great question. I'd love to know the answer. Well, I mean, everybody will tell you just to put, put ads on your Facebook yeah, sure. and TikToks and Instagrams, but I mean, we're inundated with that. So what are the new methodologies you're using to get your new app in front of audiences besides those social media um, advertising that can eat up you know, tremendous amount of uh, budget and whatnot. Yeah, and just to be clear about that, because this is important, using social media, and let's call out the platforms, it's Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, mm-hmm. Pinterest, mm-hmm. TikTok, Instagram, you got Reels and Stories, you have mm-hmm. a, a lot of other like Tumblrs and other like lesser used platforms that are still viable. When you post content on all these platforms, including YouTube, and, and everything else, mm-hmm. you're going to get brand awareness. Mm. You're most likely not going to get users. You might get some, and we do get some. I, I don't want to say we don't. We do get some. But the bulk of what you get from social media platforms is awareness, getting your name out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's all it really is. And that way, the next time somebody does see an ad or does see you in person, oh, wait, I thought I saw a video about them online, or I thought I, I heard that name, or I saw that logo. That's the point. 100%. It's it's an infiltration of social media just to get the name out. Right. You have to also, and here's what we've been starting to do now about a few weeks ago. We started to now saturate the actual internet. How do you do that? This this goes back, Buzz. You're going to know this one. <laughs> you make a blog because it's like the biggest thing you do, right? We've been teaching that for decades now. Website and blog, and the blog has to have industry-specific information that you're able to provide the public that has nothing to do with your company. Right. Just pure information. Like ours is like five tips of meeting a new friend when you move to a new city, for example. There you go. We have we have ones like that and others. Nice. You're talking about useful uh, content. We just talked about this in a few shows back when we're talking about the new Google uh, algorithm updates, right? And earlier in 2020, so I'd say Q3 of 2022, we saw this like, hey, we want useful content. We don't want the AIs just spitting out blah, and we don't need a bunch of keywords just stacked on top of each other, not saying anything. We want the useful content, and people want useful content, and that's why Google does it, right? So I think you're saying, that you know this first new methodology you're talking about goes right along with that in that hey listen it's not always about selling your stuff right just be there and be be a friend like yours is a friendship app so this is kind of <laughs> this is not being a pun on purpose people but be a friend right be a friend of the people who are looking for ways to whatever it is that you solve right right if it's find new ways to have friends, then why don't you teach people how to make new friends on and off the app you're trying to sell? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that's what you're doing, Absolutely. right? 
But for other businesses that are listening who don't have apps, it could be the service that you're providing, right? Talk to people about how they can self-help. Let's give an example. So like you could be um, a company that sells survival um, tools, mm -hmm. axe, you know, fire making mm -hmm. things, tents or whatever. And you don't really talk about the things that you sell on your website, right? You talk about five ways to stay alive if you're lost in the woods. Right. You talk about how to properly set up a tent in the rain. You talk about like how to flag down a ranger in, an, in a forest if you're, you know, being attacked by a bear. Whatever it is, you talk about the things that you are knowledgeable about. And that knowledge, right. let's go back to your point about Google. Google wants dynamic content. Right. So they're robots and the meta crawlers that are that are crawling all over the internet, constantly looking for new content. They're searching for new content, not static websites that just have the same page every day and day out. Mm -hmm. They're looking for that new thing, the new thing popping up because when people type in how to escape a bear, mm. your blog will pop up above the website that is there for two years. Mm -hmm. And that's why this, this is important. People, they don't seem to really connect the dots on this one, but this is why you need to have this as part of your strategy. Mm-hmm but people are lazy and content takes time to write. Right, no, I get that. So we've touched on methodologies for marketing. How about operational? What tactics are now necessary that weren't before COVID in this virtual world that we're living in when starting new initiatives, starting a new business, starting a new service? The one thing I noticed about operations that hasn't really changed, at least from my perspective, because we were always using a chat tool like Slack. Mm. We were always using Google Drive as a repository for content, documents and things. And we were always using Trello for task management. You can use mm. monday.com or Asana or whatever tool you want to use. We just stick to Slack, Trello and Google Drive because they're the easiest, quickest, simplest ways for mm -hmm. teams to just get onboarded and start using our tools. Mm -hmm. um, right. But there is one difference. We were able to gather interns and people to join our company in the past by just going to colleges and like career fairs, hackathons, you name it. And we were just able to get tons and tons of people to join us. Now it's the other way around. Now we've been having to seek out these different people through software platforms. For example, the colleges no longer mm -hmm. allow people to meet in person. Now you have to use handshake.com, which is an online platform and you have to do everything electronically mm. and Zoom video interviews. And it, the onboarding process can be painful, but you can cut through a lot of the noise by creating an onboarding process that makes things easier. So let's, let's do an example. You have a, a sports company, you manufacture sports clothing and the balls and the equipment, and you need to get people to join your, your company to help you sell merchandise. Well, you want to have a pitch deck that caters to your audience of the type of people that you want to join to tell them what your vision is, the problem you're solving, what your target audience is, and that kind of thing. So that when they come in, you say, look, watch this pitch deck really quick, read through it so you understand where we're coming from. Once they do that, then you want to have like documents prepared. Like here's our social media strategy. Here's our content strategy. Here are our social media accounts. Check out all of our content so you can see what we've been doing for the past few months. This is the kind of stuff we need from you. Here's our logos, our graphics, you know, give them everything by presenting them with like a package. You're taking at least half the work out of the equation. I think that in a virtual world, it is so important to document everything because people can't just tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, can you show me where this is at? You got to stop. Like if you're in chat, 
Like we use Google Chat. I suck at Slack. Slack. I don't know what it is about I love Slack. Slack. It's so confusing to me. Um, and other people swear by it. And I'm yeah. like, every time I log in, I feel like I have four different logins. But anyway, I digress. it off, man. Yeah. Well, it's in. Well, the thing is, is Google Chat so easy? It's like it's right there, right? So we use Google Chat. And even if somebody has a quick question, if I don't have that documented somewhere, or I can just point to that document real quick, that means I got to stop what I'm doing. Yep. Either create that information right then and there or search for it and then give it to them. And all of that stops you in your flow. So in a virtual world, I agree with you. Give everyone access to everything they could possibly need, right? And then give yourselves checklists and for like when they come on right. board, right? And and it, it sounds rudimentary, but you would be surprised on how few businesses have a hard checklist for when somebody brand new comes on board. Absolutely. An onboarding package. An onboarding package seems so simple, but even then, I mean, shoot, we used to do it, the creative agency world where we had people walk through. So they had a checklist, right. but not everything was written down. So it was, okay, show them where the bathroom is, show them where the coffee maker is, show them this, show them that, da, 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 da. show them how to get into this. We do a lot of Trello cards with Google links in them. There you go. So like, it'll say like pitch deck and then the link is in there. Then you'll do like, you know, mm -hmm. strategy for social media, link is in there. We also have folders mm -hmm. in Google Drive with specific, you know, labels. So you know exactly what you're doing. Exactly. The, the thing I like about Slack is you can pin posts. Mm. And then you can click on pins and then it shows you like the four things I pinned and those four things are like the things you need to see. So gotcha. We use ClickUp, which is a kind of an Asana-esque. Right. And so we have documents in parent folders. It says, here's all the information you're going to need for this subject. Big time. Right. And then our SOPs have their own area where there's a folder for each of the sets of SOPs. And so they have their own documents and formats and stuff like that. And that was something that we've done before with you know, you can use stuff like Trainual right. and there's a couple other ones out there and they're great, you know, especially for knowledge libraries, you know, and I think that's the thing, like we've been in the information age since I would probably say 1999, 2000, like that was the explosion right. of it, right? In 2005, I think it really got going, right? But it's taken us another 15 years for a lot of us to get spun up into the information age and how to actually utilize all these tools to pass information in an organized on-demand way. Buzz, I'm going to say the culprit is overload. Right. Because of the, you're saying it took us time to get spun up into what? Thousands of platforms, thousands of softwares <laughs> and hardwares, changes in, now we carry these Star Trek things in our hands and satellites right. and, you know, internet and everything's fast and social media, everything was changing so quickly that people just got brain overload and like, I don't know what to use and which one's better. There's 17 different task management. But mm -hmm. one thing is clear. If you want to successfully run a startup in this day and age, you need to do three things before you start bringing people on is have an onboarding package, make sure it is mm -hmm. well organized and make sure you have all of your documentation ready for people to see. It's just those three basic things. If you can do those three basic things, you're going to save so much time. That's awesome. So Let's take it another step further. We've got our team on board the whole nine yards. Maybe we're starting a new business with this new team. Maybe we're starting a new product or an initiative with an existing business. What's the one piece of advice you could give the entrepreneur, the leader, where the buck stops here? What advice would you give them when starting something new in their business? I've gotten this advice from billionaires. So I'm going to say that this is a... This is, Ooh, everybody tune in, tune in. Here we go. A, this Lean is a good in. one. I've, I've actually done elevator pitches with billionaires in the past. And the biggest piece of advice that I've been told, and you've probably heard this before, is 
to truly find a pain point in the world that you can solve. People forget that. They rather say, oh, I'm going to make a new Instagram or I'm going to make a new Facebook or I'm going to make this product that is already out in the market, but it's better. Fine. Building a better mm -hmm. mousetrap is always a good idea. But what is more innovative? What are the companies out there that have really changed and disrupted an industry? One of the things you need to do when you find the pain point is, this is the piece of advice that I got, is you find an overlooked industry. So for example, mm -hmm. this is a great example. How many dating apps are there, Buzz? I have no idea. I haven't dated in a half oh, a decade. I mean, you know, there's back in the day, there was only three main ones and there was probably a handful of other ones that, you know, there were specialty like datingfarmers.com right. and stuff but, like but that. But even like, being not in the dating market, you know, there's now 300 dating apps or 3000 or 3000 dating apps. It's just, you know, I could list out names and names of lists of them. Jeez. You know, how many friendship platforms are there that you know of? I can't think of. I don't know any. Like you're the first friendship, truly friendship. I think Bumble was probably the closest to one back when I was even. And they're, and they're a dating app, you know. And they're still a dating app. I found that more people found friends on Bumble, right, than any other dating. Right, app. but again, there's that pressure. So again, we we the, yeah. we feel like the overlooked, and this is an example for anyone listening. The overlooked right. industry, in our opinion, was mm -hmm. friendship because dating is right. so emphasized and meetup.com does group events and YouTube is video and TikTok is mm -hmm. video and Instagram is all about people you already know. Facebook is people you already mm -hmm. know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How do you meet mm -hmm. new people? Well, that's the pain point we're trying to solve. Your pain point will be something similar. What can you see in the world that is being overlooked, that has not been fixed in 20 years, that's your that's the right. problem you got to solve. Okay, so we've identified that we're solving the problem of an underserved problem or an overlooked part of the, and an industry that whole nine yards. Yep. Coming into 2023, what do we have to pay attention to in starting these new initiatives that we didn't have to just a couple years ago? Well, there are emerging technologies that have been coming up fast that you should pay attention to. Of course, Web3 is right around the corner, right? We have a lot of the, the, the blockchain and NFT and VR, AR technologies that are starting to really pop up. I know that the word metaverse has weird connotations because meta is tanking, but we do have to kind of think about how much money is being poured into these industries by hedge funds, investment companies, VCs, billions and billions of dollars while we're talking and people have their heads down. These companies are building the next evolution of the internet. It's going to have artificial intelligence, machine learning. You know, your idea might be breakthrough, but if you don't forward think five to 10 years in the future, by the time you build your product, you might already be obsolete or, or some other company might be doing something way better than you are. So you have to forward think five to 10 years ahead of time. So if you're building either a product or a service or an app that has a specific value to it, what could you see five years from now that value becoming that people might need? And just think about that because if you don't, you're going to be left behind. We're doing it. You know, we, we built a video platform for friends and hobbies, but we're already starting to look at artificial intelligence, matching algorithms. We're starting to look at machine learning matching. We're starting to look at forward thinking, like how can we make this better in the future by incorporating group aspects 
and more correlation with matching with events using artificial intelligence and meeting in the metaverse. We, we already bought land in the sandbox, for example, to host virtual events where you can learn things. We can do like, you know, a sewing class or pickleball, or you can learn a new language all through meeting in the metaverse. Think about that kind of stuff because it's going to happen. It's inevitable. We can't stop it. It already, the bomb already went off. The metaverse is already out there. Everyone's just concerned because we're in a bear market right now. We're heading into a recession and everything's tanking. But what happens when you get out of that in 2024, 25, 26? What's going to happen? It's going to be an explosion. So ride the wave, man. Ride the wave. Are you looking three to five years ahead? It's time. It's time to keep our heads up and anticipate the next five moves in our businesses. Learn more about Jason in the show notes. And as always, we'd love if you could subscribe. We want to hear your feedback, so please give us a review. Until next time, stay buzzworthy. 